Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. Thank you very, very much. Brilliant. Please sit down, be comfortable. It's great to be here. This is my first time here. What a brilliant venue you've got. You've got your own lighting rig properly set up for you. You don't have to carry them around. Fantastic. Greetings from Worthing. Come on, Norton and Viv. Come on, greetings from Worthing. (laughs) It's great to be here with you. How many of you are hoping for God to break through in your workplace? Yeah, you're looking for God to break through in your workplace? I tell you, he's going to break through in your workplace. But first, he has to break through in you. And he's going to do that today. So can we just give ourselves to him now and say, Lord, watch what we want to see you do is be yourself, the one who breaks every chain, the Lion of Judah, the King of Kings victorious, the Prince of Peace. Lord, we're looking for you, Prince of Peace and Lion of Judah, to break through in us so you can break through through us into our workplace and lord we give you permission today to open our eyes to your truth open our hearts to your truth and to change us into your image amen come on god's going to work this morning I'm absolutely certain of that, and I'm excited about it. I hope you are too. This is one of our series about leading a next step life, and it's living as a worshipper in the workplace. What is the workplace? We're going to look at that, understand what it is, and see how God wants to break through. But first of all, can I just ask you a question? Can I see a show of hands? If you've ever thought about going into full-time ministry for the Lord. I see a show of hands. Okay, there's a few hands there. Thinking about going into full-time ministry for the Lord. Okay. Here's another question for you. How many full-time ministers have we got in this congregation? Okay. There's one or two of you thinking, maybe that's a trick question. (laughs) And maybe it is. So let me explain why that is a mean-minded trick question. You see, a minister is a servant of the Lord. Jesus is Lord. The word Lord also means master. Just encourage you, you may be very, very used to saying Jesus is Lord, but how often do we actually say Jesus, master? It's the same word, okay? Try it sometime. It's good for your humility. Just call him master. Now, if he's master and Lord, he's Lord and master 24-7, right? Okay? So we are his servants 24-7. A minister is a servant. We are all, therefore, called to be full-time ministers of the Lord. Every single one of us. So a show of hands, please, for the full-time ministers of the Lord in this place. Excellent. You're getting it. Really good. Brilliant. So the idea of special ministers suggests that only a few things 
are holy and everything else is ordinary. That's not biblical, folks. It's not biblical, but it's ingrained in our culture and in what we've received. There is no sacred, secular divide. Do you agree with me? Just turn to the person next to you then and say, there is no sacred, secular divide. Go on, do it. There's no difference. What does it mean, somebody's saying? (laughs) The secular is everything. The sacred is the holy. There is no difference because God's purpose and God's plan is for the whole earth to be filled with his glory so that everything, absolutely everything, is made holy. The Lord wants us to devote everything that we have, everything that we do, everything that we are to him, so that he fills it and makes it holy. There is no sacred secular divide. Why does this matter? This matters absolutely enormously. I need to prove it to you. Can we have that scripture up, please, from Zechariah? This is about when the Lord returns. On that day, holy to the Lord will be inscribed on the bells of the horses. Well, that's pretty ordinary, isn't it? A horse bell. Holy to the Lord is going to be inscribed on the cooking pots in the Lord's house. They're going to be like the sacred bowls in front, of the, in front of the altar. Listen, there's no difference between your cooking pot, the stuff you cook with, the tools of your trade, even the horse bells. Not that that's hugely relevant to it. Bicycle bells, okay? The bicycle bells are going to have holy to the Lord engraved on them. There is no difference. When the Lord returns, everything is devoted to him. The ordinary becomes holy. There is no dividing line between the ordinary and the holy if the ordinary things are devoted to him. Yeah, that really matters. And I'm going to explain to you why it really matters. God put you and me on this earth with a particular mission, the same mission that he put the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, on this earth. That mission was to take this place of amazing beauty called Eden, this astonishing garden with its beautiful flowers and its beautiful trees and its amazing tropical birds and its 20,000 species of butterfly. That's how many species of butterfly there are. Our God is creative. He is flamboyant. He does bling. I mean, read Revelation. I don't do bling, but God does bling. Get used to it, Andrew. Okay. God is flamboyant. Now, the mission for Adam and Eve, first man and woman, in this beautiful garden was to take Eden and extend it across the entire earth. Their mission was not this. Adam, Eve, you're in a beautiful place. It's absolutely stunning. You love the birds. You love the trees. Isn't it great? Well, I want you to make it even better. I want you to go out across the entire earth. I want you to find anything good, anything beautiful, anything wonderful. And I want you to bring it back here into Eden. And if that means turning the rest of this world into a wilderness, it really doesn't matter. Actually, he never said that. The mission was to go out 
to take the good thing that God had made and to spread it everywhere, to begin with that particular thing and to spread it over absolutely everywhere. Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth, turn the entire earth into this beautiful, fantastic garden. That's the calling on the, li- on, on the whole of humanity. That's the calling on our lives to do that. It goes from Eden into the whole earth. God starts with an individual and he spreads it out. He took Abraham and he said, your name's going to be called Abraham because you are going to be the father of nations, plural not just the Jewish nation, because actually that calling came to Jacob later. But I'm going to take you, Abraham, one person, and you are going to transform this world. You're going to be a blessing to every nation on the earth. So God takes the Jewish people And if you read the Old Testament, you see it's really clear it was never intended to stop with them. It was never intended just for them. He takes the Jewish people and he says, it begins with you and it will spread to all of the Gentile nations. It begins with the sacred and it spreads to the secular. It begins with the special and it spreads to the ordinary. It started with God's chosen people, but his heart was never, ever to leave it there. It's not just New Testament, it's all over the Old Testament that God does that. So where are we now? Well, we're now in a place where God has revealed his love and his grace and his mercy to us because he spreads it out. And he says to the church, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Go into all the world. Can you see how God has always gone out? Out from Eden, out from Abraham, out from the Jews, out from the church to the entire earth. So tell me, why is it we are so focused on bringing people in? When God has always said, go out and give it away. Strange, isn't it? Strange. You see, Psalm 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Not just some of the things Everything in it. And its next phrase in here is just extraordinary. And all who live in it, everyone belongs to the Lord. They just don't all know it yet. And it's our job to tell them. But they all belong to him. So you tell me, where is the sacred secular divide? Where is the divide between what is holy and what is ordinary? That's never in the heart of God. God's heart is to tear down that temple veil. We've been singing about that. And to reach out to all mankind. 
so that everything becomes his. Psalm 72, 19, may the whole earth be filled with his glory, not just the church, the whole earth be filled with his glory. Can you see something of the heart of God? And can you see something of his heart for you in all of this? You're carriers of a flame. And it's not supposed to stay in this room or stay in your homes. It's supposed to go with you wherever you go. It's our job. Jesus taught us how to pray. He said, when you pray, pray, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the same principle. Eden to the whole of the earth. Heaven to the whole of the earth. It changes the way we live. So work and worship. Claire, you, you in our prayer meeting today, was Claire, you? I can't see her at the minute. Oh, she just popped out. Okay. She stole most of my scriptures. <laughs> but you know there's grace. <laughs> Genesis 2.15, if you're in the prayer meeting, you'd have heard this earlier. Claire, I was just saying you stole most of my scriptures in your prayer meeting today. Thank you, because that's a confirmation for me. Genesis 2.15 the Lord God put the man in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Hang on a minute. Was this before or after the fall? Was this before or after sin came into the world? It's not, this isn't a trick question. What was it? When? Thank you. It's before. And the word work is in God's original plan A for you and me. Let's not confuse work with toil. Toil was after the fall when the work that we were doing that should have been a great delight to us just became difficult and the thorns grew up and the weeds grew up and it got tough. That's toil. But God's heart for all of humanity is work. God's put stuff in you that you love to do. You love to sing. You love being creative. You love doing all kinds of things. There's stuff in you you just want to see happen. That's work. That's God's plan for you. He loves it. He goes, come on, when you're getting creative. He loves it. The stuff that you want to see happen around you, wherever you are. And it was said to us today in the prayer meeting, wherever your feet are, that's where God's put you. That's your place of service. The stuff you want to see change. The stuff you want to see get better. The hope you want to bring is the work God has for you. God has called you to work. Heaven is not sitting on a cloud playing a harp. Heaven is being free to be creative as God has called us to be. We are going to be free to do all kinds of amazing stuff, but it will be work. It will not be toil. It will be a joy. Can you get excited about this? I've already said to the Lord, I'm, I'm unmusical, okay? I have music somewhere deep within the heart of me, but it never comes out. And I've never given myself to it. I've said to him, Lord, I want to write a symphony. It's going to take me eternity, right? Because I can't play a note of music. Fine, there's no problem with that. 
<laughs> There's a lot of other things I'd like to do as well, but come on. You're going to have no limitation on you to what you want to do. And I'm telling you right now, because work is the very heart of God's design for each person in this room here. The creative work he's called you to do, the things you want to see come to birth, you don't have to wait till heaven. You don't have to wait to heaven to, to have fruitful work in your life. It's exciting. It's really exciting. So Genesis 2.15, the Lord God put the man in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. There are things you want to take care of. There is change you want to see come. And that was before the fall now, the Garden of Eden was a place of worship. Man and woman walked with God in the cool of the garden. I don't know what that would have looked like. But it speaks of being amazing to me. The most beautiful place on earth with the most beautiful creator. The one who dreamt that up. The one who dreamt up you and me. Walking together. And working together. What was the first thing God got Adam to do? He said, I'm just going to bring you some animals. About 30 or 40,000 species of animals, which is more than the vocabulary of most of us. And you're going to put labels on each of them. You're going to name them. Adam was no ape man. He was no knuckle dragger. Adam was a bright, bright guy with an amazing vocabulary. And when we see Adam in heaven, we're going to go, wow. If you can name all of those species of animals, and each one's different, and you can remember them, nah. <laughs> Creativity in the heart of God. Wonderful, wonderful. It was a place of worship. So the garden was a place of worship. It was a place of work. And it was where they lived. So tell me, why have we separated out worship and work and our place of service? We are unbiblical because this is the biblical reality. Can we have the slide up, please? It's a Hebrew word. Avoda. Can you just turn to your neighbor and say, Avoda? I know you don't know what it means yet. <laughs> except it tells you underneath it, Avoda. It's a wonderful word. And it's one word, and it means worship. And it means work. And it means service. There is no difference between our worship our work and our service. No difference at all between them. They are not separated. There is no sacred secular divide. There is no division between the holy and the ordinary, not in God's kingdom. It's all devoted to him. It's all glorified by him. It's all his way of Revealing his glory to you and through you and changing the person next to you and changing your workplace and letting creativity thrive. It's all devoted to him. It's one word, avoda. It's a wonderful word. And that word is first found 
in Genesis 2.15. Lord God put man in the garden to work it, to worship there, to serve him there. It's the one word. It's the same word. And it changes everything. Our work and our worship are directed to him. They are ways of serving him. Our work and our worship should come together seamlessly in the way we live. So your workplace is wherever you place your feet. Thank you for that this morning. Your workplace is your place of service. It's not just where you earn your crust. It's wherever you are. Because we're 24-7 servants of the Lord. This is your workplace. It's not just mine because I'm speaking. This right now is your workplace. When you go home, that's your workplace. Because it's your place of service. When you go out and earn your money, that's your workplace. That's your place of service. That's your place of worship. Your workplace, where you earn your money, is your place of worship. You're looking at me like I'm mad. Look at the word, avoda. The Garden of Eden was where they lived, where they served, where they worshipped. That's the kingdom of heaven. So God wants to transform the place where you earn your crust but he has to begin to do it by transforming your heart attitude towards it so that God can break through into you and out through you into whoever is next to you, whether it's in the home or in the school or where you work or whatever you're doing because it's all work, worship and service. You've got feet on your legs, that's where you're serving. This is exciting. I'm excited by this. There's no sacred secular divide. There's no act of worship. Where did that idea ever come from? That we do an act of worship? What? What? Is that what they did in Eden? They did an act of worship? They loved the place. They, they loved God. They loved each other. They tended it with great care. They extended it. It wasn't an act of worship. It was a life of worship. And that's the heart of God. The notion of an act of worship comes once we believe the lie that there is a division between the sacred and the secular. There isn't. Not in God's eyes. The whole earth is the Lord's and everything in it and everyone in it it's all his his plan is the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the lord no division no separation joshua we know this verse well joshua says but as for me and my household we will serve the lord what's the word avoda as for me and my household says joshua we will worship we will work for we will serve the Lord. There is no distinction in it at all. So I will avoda. I will work for worship and serve the Lord. That means that there are no Sunday Christians. There is no 
hierarchy of holiness. Our work, our worship, our services, whatever we turn our hands to. Anything and everything, providing it's devoted to the Lord. And what does God want to do with that? He wants to bless it. He's already proclaimed and declared his blessing over what you turn your hands to. Devoted to him and he will bless it. So our place of service is wherever we find ourselves, wherever we serve. It doesn't have to be where we earn our money. Now we've taken that word workplace and we've just made it mean where we earn our money. That's not what God means. It could be home, could be school, could be church. But what God wants to do is to fill your workplace, wherever your feet are right now, wherever your feet are in an hour, wherever your feet are tomorrow, he wants to fill that place with his glory. Why? Because he wants to fill you with his glory. You're carriers of his glory. Come on. Come on. Your workplace is your mission field. Because it's your place of worship. Huh. One word changes everything. Yeah, they say one word from the Lord changes everything. Avoda changes everything. Everything. So if you're aspiring to full-time Christian ministry, if you tentative hands went up, you are already in it. That's good news, isn't it? You have not fallen short. Let me just, just unpack it a little bit further. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. We know the verse well. You are a royal priesthood. You, 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 you are a holy nation belonging to God. Why is that significant? If you were Jewish and living before the New Testament, that would not make a lot of sense to you because the priesthood at the time were the Levites. One tribe called out, separated by blood because you were a Levite, you're a priest. Okay, That's what you do. It's who you are, it's what you do. Remember, God starts with a small number and spreads it out. He models it. So you start with the Levites. The Levites become the priests. But right now, because we're part of a better deal than they had, we are all royalty. We are all, we are a kingdom of priests. You are a priest. So where does this notion of full-time Christian ministry come from? It's not from the Bible. It's not from the heart of God. Not a separation anyway, because we are all called to full-time Christian ministry. We're all called to the priesthood. One nation under Christ to spread the good news to every nation. Why? Because this whole earth is the Lord's. They just don't know it yet. But it's our job to tell them. So practically speaking, what do we do with this? What should our attitude be in the workplace? Well, let's first of all recognize that the workplace is wherever you are and whatever you're doing. It's your place of worship, it's your place of service, it's your place of work, no distinction. So what should our attitude be? Philippians 2, 14 to 15. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault and a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine 
among them. Like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. Wherever you are, whatever is your workplace, whether you're employed or not, whether your workplace, in the biblical definition, is your home, your school, where you earn your money, you're called to be different. You're called to be particular. You're called to stand out. So what God is saying, you're called to stand out. So why is it we try so hard to blend in? Why is it we try so hard to be ordinary? God has always called a particular people. Sometimes that phrase is translated a peculiar people. Look at the person next to you. Yeah, now we understand why. <laughs> God called you. He called me. He called all of us to be a peculiar people, to make an impact because we are carriers of the glory of God wherever we are because it's all our workplace. And if you think you're too small to make a difference, as somebody once said, try going to sleep with a mosquito in the room. You know, little tiny things can make a real difference for good or for ill. And you're going to make a real difference for good. So how then do we behave in the place where we're paid to serve? Now this is another brain blower. We're called to treat our masters, our employers, as though they are the Lord. Let me show you. We haven't got this one on the screen, so I'm going to give you a different translation. Ephesians 6, 5 to 8. This is from the Worldwide English translation. Servants, obey your boss. Respect him with all your heart and try to please him as you would Christ. Obey not only when he's looking at you as if you were pleasing a man, but obey as the servants of Christ and do with all your heart what God wants you to do. The message translation says, don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily. Work with a smile on your face. Okay, it's a bit of an uncomfortable scripture if we've got a difficult boss. So perhaps I've just taken it out of context. Perhaps that's a one-off. Perhaps we can just park it. Well, no. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says the same thing. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. And then it goes on to make this astonishing statement. As far as your employer is concerned, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. <laughs> hey, just think about your boss for a second. Does your boss look like you imagined Jesus would look? <laughs> well, really, Lord? It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So we're called to treat everyone as though they were the Lord. Remember, our workplace is not just where we earn our money. It's whoever you're next to. Wherever your feet are, that's your place of service. So the person next to you 
Treat them like the Lord. Wow, come on. Gosh. It means be a servant to all. Those who pay you, those you pay if you're an employer, and those the Lord has put beside you. Now this is seeing people in a whole different light. This changes everything. It changes everything. If you thought that loving a neighbor as yourself was radical, and they did in Jesus' day, although it was an Old Testament idea, Jesus was quoting the Old Testament, Jesus gets much more radical than that because he says you need to love and serve one another as though the person you're loving and serving is the Lord. You're not just doing it for the Lord, you're doing it to the Lord. Ooh, okay, that's radical. Your boss, you're serving them as though they were the Lord, not just for the Lord, not just keeping your attitude sweet because the Lord tells you to and doing a reasonable job of work. No, you treat your boss as though they were the Lord. You treat the person next to you as though they were the Lord. Goodness, it's worth dropping your phone over, that is. <laughs> See, Jesus showed us the way when he washed our feet. He stripped off, he became a servant, the most menial of servants. He got down close enough to smell their feet and he washed them. And Peter was going, I'm not having this. Yeah, you are. He showed us how to do it. We do it to the Lord, not just for the Lord. It changes everything. Our bosses and our colleagues who don't yet know the Lord... What about them? Well, Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these of mine, you do it to me. Those who don't yet know the Lord, well, they are the least of his in their eyes because they don't yet know him. But he says, treat them as you would me and make your service to them an act of worship. You're not worshiping them, but you're worshiping me as you love them as you serve them, as you devote yourself to them, as you are diligent, as you do wonderful creative work. You are worshipping me when you serve them and they forget to thank you. You're worshipping me when you serve them and they misunderstand you. They get your motives wrong. They discourage you. It's an act of worship because everything is to the Lord and for the Lord. So in practice, what does that mean? Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a writer and I've been freelance for many, many years and I've got a number of clients. Most of my work these days is, is in the Christian sector and I had one Christian client, a wonderful man of God. I love to hear him speak. He was anointed. He would fire me up. It would excite me, but it was a terrible administrator. <laughs> he really was. There's still some lights on, that's good. He was, he was a terrible administrator. So I work from home, I'm freelance. So I would leave phone messages for him and he'd never reply. I'd send him emails and he'd not get back to me. He wouldn't sign off my work. 
Now they're paying me to do work which they're not using. What's that about? They're not paying me enough for me to feel comfortable about that. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, come on, for goodness sake. And um, I got rattled about it. And I remember getting up and down and pacing around and getting cross with the Lord. And I just felt the Lord say to me, Andrew, I want you to be a servant to my servants. <laughs> I was frustrated and I just said, well, Lord, trouble is your servants are idiots. <laughs> and I felt the Lord smile at me and he said, yeah, Andrew, so are you sometimes. <laughs> I've had to guard my heart in my place of work and in my place of service. You see, I work as a consultant and you bring in a consultant because they are supposed to have an expertise which is beyond that of the people who are employing them. Otherwise, why would they employ you? In other words, I'm a know-all. I think I know better than they are. They do. And that, that's a bit of a test of my spirit, really. Can I afford to go around with an attitude like that? No, I can't. Proverbs 4.23, I think, is one of the most important verses in Scripture. Why do I think that? Because it begins with above all else. Now, that makes me take notice. Above all else. Okay, this is putting this on a level with John 3.16, for God so loved the world, etc. Above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because every good thing and bad thing flows from your heart. If your heart goes wrong, your thinking will go wrong. Your speech will go wrong. What you do will go wrong. The habits you develop will be bad habits. The lifestyle that flows from that will be disreputable and no good for you or anybody else. It all starts with this place inside of us. It starts with the heart. Above all else, says Solomon, guard your heart. Guard it, because it's the wellspring of life. The life of God flows into your heart and out through your lifestyle. It flows into your heart and out through your words, out through what you do, out through who you are. Check your heart, guard your heart. And the biggest challenge for us, I think, the biggest opposition we're going to face in the workplace, which is wherever you find yourself, wherever your feet are, okay? The biggest opposition is going to be your own heart. Why? Because, Lord, your servants are idiots. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to humanity. So are you. Live with it. I love you. I forgive you. You love them. You forgive them. I bless you. I put up with you. You bless them, you put up with them. What do we do about all of this? How do we practically do this? I write books, and in the last three years I've written three books, but only one of them has been published. That's a little tricky. One of them can't be published because the security is about Egypt. The security situation in Egypt has got worse, and it would put people at risk. But I knew it was right to write it, and it took me at least a year and a half to write. It's not published. And when I had to face up to that, it was difficult. 
And I had to give it to the Lord because I knew he called me to write it. And you think, I don't understand why, Lord. Why? You would have known it couldn't be published. Why? And I had to give it back to him and just hand it over to him and not keep taking it back, but just give it. And I felt the Lord say to me, Andrew, your book is being read in heaven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. See, bottom line is whether your boss appreciates you or not, whether they value you, whether they pay you enough, whether they understand you, whether they get you, you have an audience of one because everything you do is serving him. Everything you do. We have an audience of one and that's how we guard our heart. So in giving my book, it was a sacrifice of worship to God. Lord, there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And you're reading it in heaven. Thank you, Lord. I don't understand this. But it's a sacrifice of worship for him. Above all else, guard your heart. So every trial you go through, and we will go through trials, is an opportunity for God to upgrade your character. That's what he's looking for. You're going through a trial, it's because he trusts you. If he didn't trust you, life would be a piece of cake. He trusts you. And he knows that the most important thing in your life is not what you do, but your heart. Because all that you do will come from your heart. So the trials we go through, the disappointments we face, just rejoice, it says in James, because it's God upgrading your character. He's given you that opportunity. He wants to lift you up, and he wants to lift others up through you. Because his wellspring of life flows through your heart. And this is his promise, Deuteronomy 28, 1 and then 12. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God, verse 12 now, the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all of the work of your hands. He is longing just to bless all of the work of your hands, to make it fruitful, to make it delightful, so that what you're carrying in your heart will be, it will change the lives of the people around you. It will make a difference. It will be a good thing. It will have eternal value because it's blessed by the King of Kings. There's a lot to respond to this morning, so I'm giving some time to respond. So can I ask us to please stand to our feet? And um, can you come up and play the guitar? Can we put the Avoda slide back up, please? So let's, let's recognize that God has called us to work creatively and delightfully and joyfully under his blessing. And let's commit ourselves, let's just do this, to fully obey the Lord. So in your workplace right now, wherever your feet are, 
he'll show you. Do I have to soul search here? He'll show you. Is there one way, any way, in which you're not fully obeying him? He'll show you. And let's just commit ourselves to fully obey him because we want to be blessed. We want to be a blessing. And to do that, we need to be blessed. And we are blessed. And God's channel of blessing comes through us as we fully obey him. It comes out of our hearts and through our mouths and into our lifestyles as we guard those hearts and keep them willing. For any of us here in our workplace, wherever we find our feet, might be paid employment, it might not. Are there any of us here who can just look at our hearts and say, ah, the willingness is gone. It just died a long time ago. And I'm here because I need to be here. I'm here because I'm here because. Well, let's just change that now. Grant in me a willing heart, Lord, that I may serve you. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Lord, I want to guard my heart right now. Father, I give you my heart, Lord. I give you disappointment. I give you disgruntlement. I give you dismay. I give you despair, if that's what it is. I renounce those things because they're not from the throne room of God. And I ask you, Lord, this is my act of guarding my heart. I ask you, Lord, grant me a willing heart to sustain me in the place where I find myself. Lord, I choose to be willing. Now give me the strength. Now give me the help. I choose to have a willing heart. The Lord is going to bring breakthrough in our workplace as he brings breakthrough in our hearts. If this is relevant to you, then this is a time for doing business too. If you've bought into the lie of feeling you've fallen short because you're not being paid by the church to do what you do, and dump that one right now. We're all full-time ministers. And let me tell you something, that's a religious spirit. But actually, those who are paid in the church are better than those who are not. We are a nation of priests. You are a priest. If you've given your life to the Lord, you are a royal priesthood. So if you bought into the lie that you have somehow fallen short because you're not being paid by the church, just let go of that now. If you bought into the lie that you're not valued, if the church doesn't recognize your gifts enough to pay you for them, get rid of that now. Because that's spirits of resentment, and inferiority, and they do not come from the throne room of God.
If you're looking for a breakthrough in your place of service, just raise your hands to God. Father, we give you our workplace wherever we find our feet, wherever we place our feet. And Lord, we give you the attitude of our heart there. And Father, our prayer is let everything I do become an act of worship. Renew my hope for what you're going to do through me in my workplace, whether it's my home, my school, or the place where I'm paid, or anywhere else. Tell God you're willing to have a willing heart again, to be a servant to his servants, even the awkward ones who don't know him yet, and even the more awkward ones who do know him but don't behave like they do. There are a few like that. Set yourselves to pray for them, not to accuse them in your heart. They lack something, which is why they offend you. Then just release from heaven what they lack. Father, to my old boss, Lord, just release a gift of administration. Give him a wonderful PA. Give him support. Give him people around him so that all of the wonderful things you've put in his heart are deliverable because they are well worked out. However you need to pray for the person that's troubling you in your workplace. It could be a husband or wife. This is all the same thing. It could be a brother or sister. It could be a relative. It could be a child. It could be your boss. Wherever your heart is holding dismay towards that person, just bless them now and release from heaven what it is that they need. Not an accusation, but a blessing. provision for them so that in the area where they lack might be sensitivity even they can become abundant this is your act of worship to bless them as you bless the Lord you're not worshipping them you're worshipping the Lord so what breakthrough are you looking for from God in your place of service. What attitude in you needs to change? Just think about it for a second. Identify the breakthrough you need. Identify the attitude that needs to change. And now tell your neighbor And pray for one another. Agree with one another. This is sealing the deal with God. We're doing business today with God. What is the point of hearing the word and not working it out? That's what we're doing. Where are you looking for breakthrough? And what attitude in you needs to change? Just tell your neighbor, pray with one another and agree. We'll take a bit of time over that.
to work. And he promises, as we heard today in the prayer meeting, that he who began a good work in you, he will continue. He will continue. We spent a while here in response. There's just one more thing I'd like to do with you, or for us to do together. We need to learn how to receive from God. A good way to receive from him is with thanksgiving. But listen, you may think I'm weird and that's okay, because I am. <laughs> but I've learned to receive from God. Nobody's taught me this, but I've learned when I want something from heaven, I take it. Thank you, Lord. And I just draw it down from heaven. And this is just me saying, I'm not just asking, I am doing something to show you that I'm receiving. And I thank you, Lord. You've heard my prayer. Your word says, now may the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So I just encourage you, if you've never done this before, just reach up to heaven and with thanksgiving, just say, thank you, Lord. I receive what I need today. I receive the anointing from you. I receive the gifting from you. Whatever I need, you've heard, and I now receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.